0: Second down and eight from the 44-yard line. Mack straight drop. Mack looks long. Mack finds Devontae behind the defense. He is in for a touchdown. Thank you, Mr. Heisman. Thank you, Mr. O'Brien and Unitas Award winner. What a combination. 44 yards, touchdown Alabama.
1: Join the big show Friday from 2 to 6 at the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Prices so low it'll blow your mind. Boom which is what Alabama's offense did last night as they finished off Ohio State and this college football season, which means national college football writers and websites are issuing their way too early top 25. And they even put way too early in the headline because everybody knows there's transfers to come, who's leaving, who's going to land somewhere. Still have a second signing day, which I don't think is a big deal for Power Fives. Uh, but it is for group of fives, but not for most of the teams that are going to be in the top 25. And then you got injuries, and then you got spring football. And then we can do another still too early top 25, just not way too early. I mean, honestly, the preseason poll is too early. There's still a bunch of surprises when you get to the first of September. But I think a few Ute fans I was caught Brett McMurphy from Stadium, college football reporter. And he's, uh, Been doing a long time, broke a lot of stories, and he puts his list out. And PK, he had the Utes at number eleven, which seemed to me really high. And he does acknowledge the quarterback battle should be interesting. We don't, we don't know who the starter is going to be. Cam Rising, who. Got 14 snaps and is going to miss spring practice. The shoulder injury changing his timeline. You got Charlie Brewer coming in as a transfer who's been starting at Baylor for three years. You got Jaquin and Jackson coming in from Texas and Peter Costelli, high school kid coming in as a true freshman. So a lot of names to throw out there. Obviously, with the passing of Ty Jordan. Now you got another true freshman coming in from Florida. Is he the guy? You got a transfer coming in. What I mean, what's going on there? There's a lot of questions on offense for the Utes. The D looked great, but number eleven in the country. When you heard that, didn't that raise an eyebrow? No, not at all. Really, the Utes are that good. They're just routinely mentioned. And I've been
0: telling you that Whittingham, everybody loves him because he treats you well. And so we're all human beings here, and we're all dogs. And my analogy is if you pet a dog, he'll lick you. If you kick a dog, he'll bite you. And so Whittingham is always nice to these national people. He's always nice to local people for that matter also. he's uh, Some coaches they've had up there have been phonies and they turn on the charm go pick up national guys at the airport when they come into town and treat locals like crap because the locals can't do anything for them, and the locals cover the warts, and the national guys normally don't. They just come in and lavish praise. So that's not who he is. So he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. I've been saying this for years. Utah actually is over-respected in their program.
1: They're not under-respected. Which is why 11 should raise an eye because it's over-respect. But, if, it's, if but you, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be over respect. If you really respect the youth program, put them in your preseason rankings, but put them in the bottom 10 or the bottom 5. And if they're 18 or 21 or 24 or whatever, I mean, you put all that in a hat and, you know, hey, I want to make sure they're in my top 25. So if they if it all comes together and they have 10 wins or more or whatever, I had them on my list, but there were just too many questions. And so I get that, but 11 I gotta say that surprised me. At, at no point did I expect to see Utah at number eleven when I clicked on that list. I saw in the in the headline thing he had on the link on his social media there were going to be five Pac-12 teams. Well, if you tell me you're ranking five Pac-12 teams, I figure you probably got Utah in your poll.
0: I would agree with that, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. He put a Utah at eleven and Oregon at twelve, and then he dropped down on, it kind of put him in a place where you know, hey, I want to make sure I mention these guys, so if they go off, yeah, they were my They're list. the
0: hottest team in the division.
1: Washington at 19, ASU at 20, and USC at 23. Hottest team in division. End of the season. Three wins in a row. Looking Nobody good. Nobody else did that. Nobody else did that. Hey, USC ended with a loss.
0: Hence, no one else did that. Yep. And so, outside of Ty Jordan... Which you know, it's so hard to even talk about it, but nevertheless, football perspective. That's the only player they lose.
1: But you still have the question mark at quarterback.
0: You always have the question mark at quarterback. <laughs>
1: well, if you're going to get Utah, right, but Who cares? If you're going to get to eleven in the country, you need really good quarterback play. That's not true. Yes, I, I believe it is true. I don't think Utes are getting to number eleven in the country without really good quarterback play. Okay, if they have average quarterback play. I don't think they'll be number eleven.
0: Yeah, but average quarterback play for, for Mike Leach is different than Kyle Woodingham.
1: I get it. I get it. But what you fans want out of a quarterback, what you coaches want out of a quarterback, is don't turn the ball over
0: right, and keep them in position to win games. That's what they want. They, that's exactly what that's. <laughs> but what, you need that, to make
1: some plays if you're going to get to And 11. they
0: do. They do make some plays. They will make some plays. And you know, what, they'll, what they'll do, they'll be really excellent at handing the ball off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to which running back? I don't know. Well, this kid <laughs> from
0: Oklahoma here. You know, he ran for 450 yards yep. this season. Yeah, about five yards a carry. Yeah. And uh, now, uh, what's his name? Yach? The, the kid that they just got yesterday, they committed. T.J. Pledger. Yeah, so Pledger. Oklahoma. The... He was, I guess you could say he wasn't the starter, he was the backup. But the backup is a senior, Stevenson. I don't know if he's coming back because you have this opportunity to come back. There was a kid below him, too, so maybe they're like that. I'm not that close to the Oklahoma situation. Uh, but
1: they might have recruited someone in over the top. If Oklahoma had a true freshman, you wouldn't be shocked? Uh, being as a starter. And not a running that, back. A running back if he's really gifted. So this kid here, they're going to have
0: a 1,000-yard rusher. I, I don't know who it is, I guess. And they got a couple of guys. See if they get more. Wouldn't surprise me if they get more. If I'm a transfer, yeah, absolutely. If I'm a transfer, a quarterback and running back, I'm all over Utah.
1: Talking with some people, there's actually expectation at least one more transfer yeah. will come in.
0: Yeah, there is. I mean, that's what I talked to Kyle about, the quarterback on that Zoom, and then, boom, they got two guys to uh, – commit within the week so they return everybody on defense Lloyd's going to come back and play so when you look at it they're the most stable team in the south so 11 yeah they should be we all expect them to be contending so 11 12 13 15 you're just picking numbers out of a hat at that point so what's the difference Uh, but when you're returning just so many guys there uh, you should you should be really good. And I expect in the quarterback play, we're just going to be talking about that till we're blowing a face.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. So Brett McMurphy puts him at 11. Now, ESPN College Football off their uh, their Twitter handle just about 15 minutes ago, knowing we were going to talk about this well, and wanting to provide us with content. They retweeted it. Oh, I didn't see it last, they night. It last, yeah. night, it so last night. They published it late last night, but it's so
0: graphic. They don't got, have them in there.
1: They've got USC at 9, Oregon at 13. And then Washington at 14, and that's it. Those are the only three from the Pac-12.
0: Yeah. Well, I'd say who's the writer, and how much interaction has he had with Kyle?
1: (laughs) I don't know. They did not identify it in the tweet I saw sent out.
0: I didn't recognize the name when I looked at it last night before I went to bed. So, uh, McMurphy's been around forever. I'm sure he's talked to Kyle a hundred times.
1: Yeah. I would there's
0: going so. to be bias there. If we don't think there's there's bias in everything, never believe somebody who says I have no bias. I have bias against them if they say that. And so, Kyle's going to be respected to the highest levels. Really, when you think about it, man. As somebody who hasn't won a Pac-12 title, nobody gets more respect than he does. I can argue no one gets more respect in the conference, and be right to a high percentage of the time. So, I think they're going to be they're going to receive as much respect as they can possibly get. And when you look at it, uh, they, they just don't have. What's amazing to me is they don't have non seniors declaring for the draft very often.
1: And that gives them a little bit of an edge when you get a Devin Lloyd coming back. Critical. Oh,
0: big time. Critical. I mean, they had Marcus Williams and Jalen Johnson. Yeah. Am I missing other guys? They usually come back. Yeah,
1: Zach, Zach Moss coming back. That was a big deal.
0: And you look at SC. Uh, right now, non-seniors. Oh, boy. They've got uh, six. If you count Tufele, who didn't play this past season. He actually opted out. The kid had of Bingham. <clears throat> but he belongs on that list. You got St. Brown, Tui Pelotu, the defensive lineman, Fang, their best defensive back, uh, Griffin, another defensive back, Vera Tucker, their best offensive lineman. Tyler Vaughn's was a senior anyway. Great receiver. So that's a lot of talent right there. And they still have some other guys that uh, – they still could do it, and they've got. Uh, remains to be seen uh, if uh, some of their seniors, that uh, car the, their top two running backs, were seniors last season. Now are they coming back. I don't know. Remains to be seen. I'm not sure if they move on. I don't know what I have. I've looked. I haven't heard. I haven't seen. I haven't read. So I don't know. So you're losing a ton of talent, most likely. Uh, and with that, though, I mean, they still uh, they better be pretty good or they'll be making a change. So we'll, we'll see about that. So they have way more question marks than Utah has. That doesn't mean that Utah's going to beat them. It's just you. when you do these preseasons things, you're just going on who has the fewest question marks. I really believe that's how you determine.
1: Absolutely. Wh- whether, and there's a handful on, of things. Uh, head coach, coordinators changing, quarterback, total number of returning starters. You check all those things. And those are that's like the core of your prediction right there. And then on yeah. top of that, you do have relationships. You have insight into one program you don't have into another. Somebody told you something. So again, like
0: they did uh, two years ago, they had multiple guys who could have gone to the NFL most likely and decide to come back in Lloyd and Ford, the offensive lineman, and Keithy, the tight end. All three of those guys, nope, I'm coming back. Whatever it is in that program, I don't know if it's the uh, food they serve at the cafeteria or what. <laughs> the mineral water they're getting, I don't, I don't know what it is, but most of these guys, a high, high percentage, when they could go, come back. And you've got to credit that to the culture of the program. I think you really do. It's There's too many guys now who have done it to think, it's an individual thing. Ultimately, it is an individual decision, yes. But when the masses are all deciding the same thing, there's got to be something there.
1: The athletic Stuart Mandel, another guy who's been covering college football forever, has his two early top 25 out, and he only has three Pac-12 teams in it, and he doesn't have Utah or USC in it. He's got uh, Oregon. Oh, man, you could have teased it for the next thing. Oh, I thought we'd talk jazz next. Oh, <laughs> that was so enticing. Well, we got we got Chris Fedor coming up. Cleveland Cavaliers beat right. But if you want to
0: go for it, go ahead. We got Oregon
1: and then Oregon's Washington. At and... Yes, good call by you. Washington is at eight. Well, Washington won
0: the division and they're returning mm-hmm. just about everybody and their dog. Also, yep. Why wouldn't it be Washington? Washington? I don't know that. That's, that's an. I, I appreciate the compliment, but I think it's more of an obvious actually when Wa- you think about it
1: Washington is 18 and there's one other team in the top 25 Arizona State at 25
0: like and who doesn't like Herm right now with that in mind this is they should have a big season for he, them anyway because they are returning 11 out of 11 Players on defense. You talk about somebody who got guys to come back. Herm must have sweet talked them. Because they got, <laughs> hey, they got several dudes.
1: Recruit your own guys. Longtime Ute fans remember, you know the when basketball had their awesome run in the late '90s. Rick Majerus talked a lot of draftable guys into coming back for a senior season. Look at looking at you, Keith Van Horn. Looking at you, Andre Miller. Looking at you, Michael Doleac
0: on and on. Now, from Washington's perspective right now, anyway, they return all 11 on offense and 9 on defense off of a team that actually won the division.
1: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Chris Fedor, Cleveland Cavaliers beat writer for the Cleveland Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com, joins us next to look ahead to tonight's game, the Jazz and Cleveland, 530 for the tip. Pre-game show at 430 on The Zone. We'll talk with Chris next. Stay with us. Now, let's get this party started!
2: This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Former NFL and Ute Gray Eric Weddle. You play for a chance at a championship, right? 27 straight years I've played football and I have zero championships to my name. Now, we did go undefeated in 04, but
1: we weren't number one in the country. We didn't get a BCS
2: championship ring, so that doesn't count. And I never won a Super Bowl, never won a high school CIS championship, never won Pop Warner championship. So that's why I played. And now Every guy that's in the playoffs has a chance to experience that. When a guy holds up that trophy after they won the Super Bowl, you will envision yourself doing that. That's why it's the greatest sport in the world. Hans and Scotty. weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in Chris Fedor from the Cleveland Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com, he covers the Cavs as their beat writer. Chris, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. I am curious right now, how many people in the greater Cleveland area know the Cavs and Jazz are playing tonight, and how many are all in on the Browns and obsessing out of their
2: mind? Uh, Yeah, I would say very few know that the Cavs are actually playing tonight against the Jazz and the city is on fire. It's electric based on what the Browns did this past weekend, and it's it's really good to see because it was a long time coming for the Cleveland Browns, that's for sure.
0: So my prediction is in four or five years, it's all going to be the Cavs because even though it's not home, Bronny is going to come in and save that franchise.
2: <laughs> well, that's what it took the last time around. It <laughs> seems like the only time the Cavs can actually have Um, consistent success is when lebron is around um i can tell you that they're not planning for that at this point in time and people that that i know that know lebron well feel like he's probably going to end it in los angeles but you never say never this is home for lebron and this place is always going to tug at his heartstrings so if he came back the Cavs would welcome him with open arms that's for sure
0: when i say Bronny, i'm talking about his son
2: Oh, that one. Well, that would be nice, too. I mean, if you go from LeBron James to Bronny, uh, I don't know that the Cavs want to be in that situation where they're drafting that high, if that's where Bronny is going to be drafted. Uh, But we'll see what happens. That would be some kind of story, that's for sure.
1: So it's not a slam-dunk number 1 pick. When you have the 8th pick in the first round, there is plenty of NBA history that says that could go well or that could go poorly. Did they know what they were getting in Colin Sexton? Because to come in and average in the teens and shoot 40% from three and pump up your average in your third year to 25 points a game, that's a very successful number 8 pick when you look at the history of the NBA draft.
2: It really is, and if you think about that draft in general, you had Luka, you had Marvin Bagley, obviously you had Trey Young. Of the numbers uh, that Colin Sexton has put up in his first two-plus years in the NBA, they're as good as anybody, including Luka, including Trey. That's the kind of company that he's been in um, for the last couple of years and early on at the beginning of the season, guys. He's been in that company with those two stars from the draft. And, of course, you know, Shea G- Gilders- alexander who's been doing some good things for Oklahoma City, too. Um, so the Cavs really, really like Colin. I don't think they knew that he was going to be this. I think it's hard to say, yeah, we knew he was going to be this with the eighth overall pick. But they liked him from the beginning, guys. He came to Cleveland for a workout the day after the Cavs got swept by the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. And nobody wanted to be at that workout. Nobody did. The Cavs were pissed off. They were sad. They were depressed. They didn't want to see a guy work one-on-oh for an hour, hour and a half, whatever it was going to be. And yet, Colin uplifted the entire organization, including Chairman Dan Gilbert at that point, And they gave this organization a sense of hope and a sense of belief. And that's really when they got attracted to Colin for those intangible things. At the same time, they liked him as a player. They liked his score-first mentality. They liked the fact that he could go get a bucket, just manufacture something on his own. They think those kinds of traits are needed in today's NBA, and they loved his speed, athleticism, and quickness. And, and they didn't know what he was going to be in the future. They didn't know if he was going to be an all-star. But they felt that day, this is a dude who's not going to allow himself to fail. At the very least, we've got a pro. And, and that's what the Cavs continue to say about Colin. And kudos to him. He has taken that, and each time somebody has tried to attach a ceiling to his potential he has been able to break through and he's in the middle well you know at at the end of march before everything shut down and went to chaos he was in the best stretch of his entire career and he has carried that over into this season which speaks to his work ethic his competitiveness and all the things that the Cavs loved originally about him
0: so they do have some talent on this team with sex and garland and love but what's their availability right now
2: Garland has been out with a strained, uh, sprained shoulder. Uh, he injured it during the road trip that the Cavs were on. They had a six-game, 10-day road trip. Uh, he injured it over the weekend in Atlanta. He's missed the last handful of games, and his availability for tonight is, I would say, it's questionable at best. Um, it was supposed to be a week. A week would be tomorrow for Darius Garland. Colin uh, Sexton has missed. A number of games recently three of them to be exact because he's dealing with this nagging ankle injury he was announced as a starter last night he was in the starting lineup and then head coach jp Bickerstaff was told basically on the first note of the national anthem that colin wasn't going to be able to play so he was scratched for the second time in three games um kevin love is going to be out probably until the end of this month, maybe even later than that, because he's got a high-grade calf strain. So the Cavs are really dealing with a lot of different injuries at this point in time, guys. They're missing about 70 points per game from um, some of these guys that have been missing recently. And the chances of them playing, I think Holland probably has the best chance to play tonight against the Jazz, but the Cavs have been trying to piece it together as best they can because of these injuries.
1: So Dante Axum obviously used to play for the Jazz, and then there was mm-hmm. a trade, and Jordan Clarkson is very popular in the state of Utah. <laughs> very, very popular. That trade gets 100% approval rate here. How do they look at that trade in Cleveland?
2: Well, I think they look at that trade as they got what they wanted out of it. They knew that Jordan Clarkson, DJ, and PK did not have – a future in Cleveland, a long-term future in Cleveland. He was on an expiring contract. They weren't going to be able to re-sign him. So he was one of the guys that they wanted to flip for something. And in doing that, the Cavs created a bigger opportunity for Colin Sexton. In fact, if you look at the numbers for Colin, um, his rise started on December 23rd when Jordan Clarkson was flipped to Utah because he got more responsibility He was able to play a different kind of way. And on top of that, the Cavs had a promising young player in Kevin Porter Jr. that they also wanted to create opportunities for. And and it was hard for them to give those same opportunities to those two guys because J.C. was closing games. Because J.C. was such an integral piece of the offense. He was one of the few guys who could go out consistently, get you know, around 15 to 20 a night. So the Cavs got out of it what they wanted to from a player development standpoint of giving opportunities to their young guys, and on top of that, they were able to get a reclamation project in Dante Axum who fits their timeline for this rebuild, who maybe possibly could be flipped this year as an expiring contract, and they got an asset out of that as well. So I think the Cavs are looking at it saying, yes, we lost out on this kind of score in Jordan Clarkson, But we got what we needed out of the deal, and it's probably a deal that has worked for both sides at this point in time.
0: So one of the guys who's in the lineup, Andre Drummond, you know, he is just uh, he quietly puts together some decent stats and he's a rebounding machine, man. Yeah. As far as what that what he's done in the NBA with Detroit and now with Cleveland, he's a load. I think the Jazz have to be aware of him and have to maybe put a couple of guys on him, make sure he's boxed out because he's quietly putting together a pretty good season, isn't he?
2: 11 straight double-doubles to open the season for Andre Drummond guys, and that's cavaliers record and he continues to build on it so yeah he came into this um this new season rejuvenated and motivated and i think he felt when he arrived here in february that he needed a fresh start now look guys always say that sort of thing when they get to a new place but he's backed that up and i think that's the biggest difference since he's gotten here You know, they played eight games with him last year after the trade and the Cavs went four and four. And now they've played 11 games this year with Andre and they're five and six. So he's making an impact both offensively and defensively in terms of field goal percentage against, as of yesterday, Andre Drummond was number two in the NBA and he came into this year guys and he said, I want to be defensive player of the year. And again, He's saying these things and backing them up, and I think that's the biggest thing for Andre, and that's the biggest thing for the Cavs. How long are they going to get this engaged, bought-in Andre in a contract year when maybe he could be flipped at the trade deadline? I think that remains to be seen, but as of right now, J.B. Bickerstaff has found a way to get through to Andre to get the best out of him, and the Cavs are benefiting greatly at both ends of the floor, especially on the defensive end, he's been a linchpin to their um, revamped defense that has gone from the last ranked defense in the NBA to number one.
1: So Kevin Love is left over from the glory days. He is still on a huge contract, making thirty-one million this year, thirty-one million next year, twenty-nine million the year after that. So with two-plus years to go, is that a contract that can be moved? Can he be healthy enough to contribute and be a veteran presence as this team goes on? What What is Kevin Love's future?
2: I can't believe it took 10 minutes to get to Kevin Love trade. Conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one of the questions that has been hovering over this franchise, not just for the last couple of years, but Kevin Love has joked about this. Since the day that he was traded to the Cavs in the LeBron era, there have been trade rumors about him weaving Cleveland. And no matter what he says, no matter what the Cavs say, they don't stop. And I get it. I do. Um, at the same time, here's the problem. The Cavs view Kevin Love as an asset. They view Kevin as one of their most important players and one of their best players. He's a floor spacer. He's an elite rebounder. He's a high-usage guy that can handle that kind of load. He's comfortable um, as that kind of offensive piece, and he has shown success as that kind of offensive piece. Uh, So the Cavs are looking at him like that. The rest of the NBA is like, no, 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 no. He's on the wrong side of 30, injury-prone, can't stay healthy, and has a bloated contract. So if we're going to trade for Kevin, we're doing you a favor, and you need to attach something of value to Kevin so that we take that bad contract off your hands. And the Cavs are saying, no, you'll give us the asset because he is an asset, and you have to give us either a young player or a draft pick. And until that value of, of Kevin inside the organization and outside the organization gets closer... There's no way that the Cavs are going to say yes to a deal. Look, they could have traded him last year. They could have traded him last year at the deadline. It would have been a salary dump type move where the Cavs took on the bloated contract of Hassan Whiteside and gave up something else in order to move Kevin. But they're not going to do that. They're not just going to dump him because they have no need to dump him because even if they get that salary, what are they going to do with it? And what in their thinking What are we going to get back that's better than Kevin, a five-time all-star who knows our system, has a deep relationship with our head coach, J.P. Pickerstaff, and still, even though he can be moody and he can pout on the court from time to time, like we saw last year, can be a benefit for our young guys to learn from, and he can be a leader for our young guys. So that's what's happening when it comes to Kevin. And until that changes, Kevin Love is going to be here in Cleveland, and the Cavs are going to continue to say no to all of these, what they consider lopsided deals.
0: So what is your most treasured bobblehead?
2: Oh, man. Um, I have a Tiger Woods bobblehead from his Masters win in 1997, his first major championship. And I'm a huge Tiger Woods fan. I have been since, since I was growing up. Um, his arrival into golf basically put a golf club in my hands, and now I'm an avid golfer. I love the game, and I don't think I would love it as much if Tiger didn't come around. Like It's to the point where um, if Tiger Woods is in contention for a major or just any tournament guys on the weekend, I will wear red on Sundays. That's how much of a Tiger fanatic I am. So that's probably my most treasured one.
1: Well, we interview a lot of people, but now that we've got that mental image, I think we'll be able to remember you and separate (laughs) you out from everybody else who comes through on the show. And I also was going to see if you were interested in a trade for my San Diego chicken bobblehead. My guess is probably not.
2: No, probably not. I'll say no to that like the Cavs do, Kevin Love Street.
1: That's what I thought. I thought that's where that was going. All right, so uh, we run through the whole Cleveland organization here. So the question a lot of people want to know right now is, this is all uh, interesting. How does a team that's not in a glamour market or cold weather manage all this stuff? Constantly thinking about that in Utah. Interesting to hear what Cleveland's thinking. But as far as the game tonight, is Cleveland going to put out a good lineup, a below-average lineup? Are they just going to have to cobble something together, given how many people are out? What chance do they have of competing with and beating the Jazz?
2: I think they're just going to have to continue to cobble things together until some of these guys get healthy. I mean, look, they've got shooting guard Damian Dotson being an emergency point guard because they have no other options. They just used the hardship exception to sign Yogi Farrell to a 10-day contract. That's the state of the Cavs' backcourt right now because there's a lot of uncertainty with Darius Garland and Collin, especially going into tonight's game against the Jazz, given the games that they've missed recently. And that's what the Cavs are going to continue to have to do. We've talked to J.B. Biggerstaff, We've talked to the players. It's been eight straight games that they've failed to crack the 100-point mark. And their response is, well, that's just how we have to play right now. We have to slow the game down. We have to grind out possessions. We have to lean on our improved defense because we just don't have the bodies, we don't have the talent um, to do it any other kind of way. And I think because of that, and because the Cavs are playing the second game of a back-to-back, and because of what they're missing, it's going to be hard for them to compete with these quality opponents. They've lost four of the last five games after getting off to a really, really good start for a reason. At some point, you can sit there and you can say, yeah, we're going to play hard yeah, we're going to do all of the little things, and that's how we're going to have to win games. Uh, But at some point, you also have to have the talent where that matters. And I just think the Cavs are in a bad place right now in terms of who they have available and who they don't have available that makes it hard to win games, let alone compete for 48 minutes.
1: Chris, we appreciate the time, we appreciate the background on the Sunday clothing when Tiger is in contention, (laughs) and you are a go-to source for Kevin Love Talk from now on.
2: You got it, guys. Anytime you know how to reach me. Thank
1: you, Chris. Chris Fedor, Cleveland Cavaliers, B-Rider for the Cleveland Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. And the town's on fire. It's been a long time coming, and we'll all be watching the Browns in the playoffs this weekend. See what they can pull off now. All right, DJ and PK, we got Brett McMurphy coming up, National College football writer, insider for Stadium Network, and apparently an outlier on its hopes for the youths and expectations for the more than hopes, but the expectations for the youths for this coming season. He's coming up in about 15 minutes. Stay with us. Let's go. The Big Show it's a big deal. with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Howard Beck from Sports Illustrated. The past few years the Jazz have gotten off to slow starts and we try to come up with theories every single year as to why maybe they start a little slower than we would expect. Do you have any theories as to why that happens to teams? I don't. I mean, look, in any given season, it happens in this league. You guys know that this is generally my philosophy on these things. If you're an established team, I'm not worried about you getting off to a slow start. We know what the Jazz are. We know what they're
2: capable of. They brought back whatever 90-something percent of their core. There's no reason to think this start is indicative of, of some larger problem. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to
1: 7 on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We just spoke with Chris Fedor, Cleveland Cavaliers beat rider, cobbling together a lineup tonight, PK. Jazz need to go out and play well and win this game convincingly. This one's there for the taking. Six and four in the first ten. What do the next ten look like? They need to start off with a convincing win.
0: Well, I don't know that it needs to be convincing. Just win. That's good enough. Because if you win by one, if you win by 30, you still move to seven and four. This is a game you must have because Cleveland played last night. Their best talent is going to be unavailable. And uh, Sexton, he's an enormous talent. And Garland's very good. I I love their guards. They've got those two young guys. Those were great draft picks. But uh, maybe Sexton plays. Garland's out. Exum's out. Love's out. Drummond just cleaning the glass like crazy, averaging 15 a game. So he's a player. But other than that, I mean, they're just really behind the eight ball with lack of talent because of the injury situation. And a Jazz, as far as we know here tonight, they'll put out an injury report here later today, but they're expected to go in. And you've got a back-to-back. Now, Washington apparently is closing their facilities because they had a couple of guys test positive. So who knows if that's going to be available tomorrow to be able to play that game. Uh, We'll find out, uh, obviously, in the coming hours. But as far as we know right now, this game against Cleveland is on. And, yes, I agree with you. Uh, Get the win. This is one... This is one that you would it would gnaw at you more so than the last two last week. Because Cleveland is really really depleted right now.
1: So get the W, you're 3 and 2 on this road trip. This turns it into 4 and 2 and then it's on to play the Wizards. Probably hopefully what PK's report uh, referring to here is Wizards have canceled practice. They've had two players enter COVID-19 protocol. So out of the quote is uh, out of an abundance of caution, the team has canceled today's scheduled practice. They are three and eight themselves, so set up for the Jazz here.
0: Yeah, and Westbrook's out for a week. They said with a hammy, I think it is
1: quadriceps. I read, but either way, you're right. Yeah, He's out enough. for a week. Left so. quadriceps injury. Yeah, so
0: that uh, that's a blow, and they don't have an abundance of talent either. But it is back-to-back if it should be played. Uh, you know, Decent little trip from Cleveland down to D.C., obviously. Uh, but tonight's the game. We'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, and
1: Maybe. we'll see. Hopefully, <laughs> we'll hopefully see. the game is played. I agree, but...
0: I mean, I've got my whole next two nights. I told Sweetie, got to have dinner early, man. Got to either have it early or late. And one of the things she hates, she hates late dinners. Absolutely. Absolutely abhorrent right. to use it because she just doesn't want to eat late any i mean she does not want to eat after seven so she's like yeah i don't uh, like to
1: i don't like to eat after seven but you told me that her 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 dad was from switzerland right and spoke five correct. languages and so i got correct. this whole european late dinner and nine she's o'clock american meals.
0: Yeah, <laughs> she's from, she's I know, from but, if, Arizona. but if you grow
1: up with <laughs> your <isn't> parents <laughs> habits, if you grow up with your parents habits and your parent is this European, that's funny you languages. say that yeah. though,
0: And his name was Renee mm-hmm. uh, from Switzerland and his brother's name was Marcel and the Latchman brothers who are in. MLB, they had brothers Rene and Marcel. I think Rene was the uh, manager of the Rockies for a little bit. But my father-in-law Americanized himself to where he lost his accent. Oh, wow. Yeah, when he came into the U.S., he made sure he did everything that was American to the point of serving in the military. He served in two countries' militaries.
1: We always ate on the early side. My grandfather had undiagnosed blood sugar issues, and he was a great guy. always in a great mood, but, man, if dinner wasn't ready at 5, his blood sugar was crashing. 5? What's the Archie Bunker? Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty, like 5.30? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I could tip over here! Where's the, it's the only time he really got cranky, but he always got cranky about that. Okay. And so Mom always ate on the early side, but she wasn't that. She said, I'm not going to have dinner ready at 5 every night. Holy cow. But we, we, didn't, we didn't do the 7 o'clock meals. That didn't happen. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, enough of the meal talk. Let's get to Utes' expectations for next season. Brett McMurphy has a much higher than most people seem to in college football. We'll talk with him next.